This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. I am Dean Holland here with the goddess of the garden, Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? What's going on in your garden? Oh, gosh, I'm great. What's going on in my garden? Well, I'll tell you, I think we're kind of living in animal, wild animal kingdom nowadays. It's, uh, you know, we've encouraged birds, and so we have lots of birds, and encouraged squirrels. So we've got lots of squirrels and chipmunks. Like, I shouldn't say we've encouraged squirrels, but we haven't discouraged squirrels. But Elliot is pretty pissed off right now. Uh, Some critter, I assume a raccoon, had had its way with our tomatoes last night. So we've got half-eaten tomatoes all over the ground, green ones, red ones, all of it. And uh, and he's he's pretty, pretty, pretty angry. So we, we really um, have to figure out how to protect the tomatoes. At this point, I think Elliot's thinking he'll just start picking them when they're barely ripe. As soon as there's a tiny bit of orange, I think he's going to start picking them and ripen them inside the uh, inside the house just to protect them. Either that or we're going to have to build a cage around our tomatoes or he's going to have to camp out overnight. I'm not sure exactly which. But uh, one way or the other, he Elliot loves his tomatoes, so he's pretty angry and uh he'll be sorting something out today i assume so listen um give us uh why don't you give us the phone numbers and uh and i'll be quiet for a okay, minute i'm gonna give those numbers out now just so uh, we would love for you to call any questions you have about indoor or outdoor stuff happening in your garden uh in toronto the numbers are 416-360-0740 or anywhere in the province it's toll-free call one 866 Seven four zero four seven four zero. Do let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller, and of course, we will give you your garden wings. There they are, sounding nice this morning. <laughs> and nice. and uh, of course, the mantra: call often, call early, and please, 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 one question per call. Yeah. Good point. Uh, I'd also like to say, um, remember, uh, Terry Kennedy was on the show last week and she was talking about orchids and she was talking about the orchid sale that's happening tomorrow at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. That's free, open to the public from noon until five. There's going to be quite a number of different orchid growers there with like everything from little tiny orchids to big orchids for sale, along with all the accoutrements, the pots, the the media. Of course, lots of great information is also available uh, free. Just uh, show up and uh, chat up with whoever's there. And I know Terry will be there and she is a wealth of of information. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely swing by Toronto Botanical Gardens tomorrow, if you can. Leslie and Lawrence, obviously, in Toronto. Um, 
the other thing is, uh, oh, I harvested a bumper crop of garlic uh, this uh, this past week. I planted garlic last, I think I told you I planted garlic last fall, and I planted the garlic around my roses. Well, it was a bit of a test. I've always heard that garlic will protect roses. And sure enough, my roses were aphid-free and have been aphid-free all summer, so I'm super pleased about that. Uh, but the garlic was, was due to be... Uh, to be um, harvested. So I've pulled up about 30 big bulbs and they're just gorgeous. They're, they're huge and fresh and they're, they're drying and, and um, you know, curing as we say in the garlic world for another week or two. And then, uh, then I'll be in a position to start eating it. And I remember, um, yeah, we've had some chats about garlic with a different color. So if you've been uh, growing garlic this year, let us know what your experience has been and whether you've harvested yours or, or what's going on. Do remember though, you do have to rotate. You can't keep planting garlic in the same spot every year. You've got to every now and then move your garlic. So we'll talk a bit more about fertilizing because we're at that point in the in the summer where it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it, there's good and bad times to fertilize. And, and we're going to chat a bit about that as we go forward. But for now, uh, Dean, I think it's time for us to go to a break, right? Yes. Okay, and with that, we should go to our first break. Uh, again, the number 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, welcome back to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. I'm Dean Holland here with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, the number is again to call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We have callers on the line. Uh, we're going to uh, we're gonna go to, oh my goodness, Attica, New York right now. We have Maxine on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Maxine. Good morning. I have, a question about, I have a question about lilies. I have uh, several lilies, uh, daylily-type flowers, and for the most part, the flowers at this point are spent. Um, but they have the bright green pods, and, and they hold the seeds, I guess. Can, I want to know if they can be cut off and replanted elsewhere, uh, and if they uh. would grow like next year. Yes, yes, you can do that. Daylily, uh, as you point out, the, the flowers are fairly short-lived. That's why we call them daylilies. Each flower mm -hmm. only lasts a day. But once the stem is done, you're right, the, the seed pods will form. Um, they will scatter themselves. It depends on whether it, it, it's a hybrid variety, something you purchased, or whether it's a fairly wild variety. Because as you know, daylilies do, they're fairly naturalized, some of them. The big, tall, right. orange ones, we call them ditch lilies, right? And this particular one that I'm speaking of um, was a purchase. Mm. Okay. So it may not breed true from seed. Plus, it's a bit of a slow way to propagate daylilies from seed. They start slowly and take years to be mature to flowering size. So if you love those the daylilies that you've got, I'd be more inclined to dig up the clump and then separate the clump so that you've got uh, multi-plants. I, I would do this now. I'd wait till later in August and then uh, separate the plants into, you know, 
share them with your friends, move them around the garden as much as you will, and, and mm-hmm. each of those clumps will get bigger over time. <clears throat> That's by far the easiest way to grow daylilies or propagate them. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for calling, too. And... Um, Dean's not seeing me. We're having, we are having, Dean's having a bit of technical issue here. So um, I'm going to go to our next caller, which it looks like it's Ethel giving us a buzz from East York. Good morning, yeah, Ethel. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. I have the same problem with my tomatoes, by the way. I nearly leave the ravine and everything is eaten off. <laughs> oh. I don't plant any more of those things. Oh, no, but we love our tomatoes. Not incredible. (laughs) So I have a problem right now with my boxwood, Charlie. And uh, it was attacked last year with the moth infestation we had. Yes. And it came back in the springtime. Now it's all gone again. So I'm going to have to take them all out. I'm talking about about 18 plants, 18, 20 plants. Would it advisable for me to replant it again or wait wait some, uh, maybe till springtime to the soil to clear out uh i don't think the soil is going to clear out that fast mm-hmm. um the problem is that yeah it's a moth it's a a newly arrived in canada invasive moth called mm-hmm. the box tree moth and it is not going to disappear okay. i'm afraid to say so okay. if what i would do if you have an infestation i would eliminate the the um the boxwood. I would I come up with a replacement plant. Okay. Any any idea? Because I, what I, it looks so nice. I had a fountain, and it was front of it like a semicircle. I and it know. Looked very People nice. love their boxwood. So listen, <laughs> what I have used as a replacement uh-huh. is not a boxwood. It's a holly, a form of holly. Okay. So the... The genus is Ilex, I mm-hmm. as in Iceland, L-E-X, Ilex. Okay. And um, I'm uh, using Ilex, it's also known as Inkberry, as mm-hmm. a boxwood replacement. Oh, okay. Okay, okay so try that, that, that one. That could, be, that could be cut short, right? So it doesn't have to be... You can trim it, absolutely. You can trim it just like you trim your boxwood. Okay. And and it's um, an evergreen, just like a boxwood. Yeah. And the leaves are shiny and oval-shaped, just like a boxwood. It's a perfect replacement, actually. I don't know why it hasn't taken off in popularity. I'm growing it because uh, to grow the berries, Mm -hmm. it will flower and it will get berries if it's pollinated. And I'm all about doing... Berry yes. bushes, etc., for the for the birds. Yeah, for the birds. Yes, I'm I'm doing like that too. So that's I'm okay. <laughs> I'm birds and the hummingbirds. Oh yeah, plant, for sure. I plant Love those them. Kind of plants all the time for the hummingbirds and the, and the butterflies and all. So I'm trying to do that too. So, but that that's yeah. a great idea. Thank okay. you very much. Thanks, Ethel. Okay. Yeah, and just yeah. Um, that's a good point. Planting uh, plants for. Uh, hummingbirds, something that I planted that I've had really good success with this year is an annual flower called salvia. salvia? So red, uh, little red flowers, mm-hmm. uh, tubular shaped flowers. And um, the hummingbirds, I planted that right near my hummingbird feeder. And I tell you, I've just got lots and lots of action wow. from, from and baby hummingbirds. So they obviously oh, nested nearby. Yeah. yeah, I do have a butterfly bush, got two of them, and they're just hovering over it. They love nice. the butterfly bush. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah. So that. Yeah. I've had issues with butterfly bush here. It hasn't survived. But. Uh, oh, but yeah. yeah. Good idea. Very good idea. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Charlie. Have a great day. You too. Okay. Bye bye.
Okay, great. Thanks for the call. Okay, and now um, let me see. We've got uh, we've got Gloria on the line calling from uh, Scarborough. Welcome to the Garden Show, there, Gloria. Hi, I can hardly hear you. <laughs> good morning. Can you hear me? Oh, good morning, Charlie and Dean. Thank you for taking my call. I've called before many times, and, and everything you've told me has worked. Uh, right now, I, I I need to get that uh, wonderful recipe for lavender and lemon. Uh, scones. I don't own a computer, so I need your address or, or someone's address so that I can um, get that uh, recipe. So, oh, you know what you could do is send, uh, if you're interested in receiving it by mail, um, I was going to say, you know what's probably the best? Send mm-hmm. your, uh, you want to send like a self-addressed envelope. You know what you could do? Stay on hold Car- and, and we'll let Carlos write down your address privately uh, okay. over the phone, and right. then Carlos will let Dean and I know your address, and then one of us will mail you the recipe. How's that? Oh, that's wonderful, dear. It's so, okay. so, so nice as, of you as, to do that. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No, but thanks for asking. I know, Dean, we joked about this recipe and saying, oh, this is so silly. It's just not a garden show thing at all, and yet <laughs> it's unbelievable how many people I've had wanting that recipe. I know. And anyhow, I'll stay on the line then, and he'll 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 take. Yeah, my, my name. and I'm sure Carlos is hearing me say that right now. So he'll he'll you just stay on the line, and Carlos will put you on hold for a second. Uh, he does look like he's just answering another call, but nevertheless, um, I'll yeah, he's holding my. Uh, I won't hang up. Okay, <laughs> good idea. We'll make yeah, we'll make sure we get it to you for sure. Thank you. Okay, so, so much. Charlie. Yep. Charlie, I've got an email that uh, that uh, caught my uh, my interest that you received a couple of weeks ago, and uh, that's trying to keep critters out of uh, garden planters and things like that. And of course, we talked about plastic forks, but then we had uh, an email from. Carol, uh, who lives in uh, North Pelham, which is uh, the Niagara Peninsula, and she says here that she uses uh, rose, pieces of rose, rose bush clippings and she, uh, from when she clips her roses, and that apparently that has been really helpful for keeping cats and other things out of her, uh, out of her flower beds and her gardens from digging. I know it's a, it's actually it can work. I know I gave uh, my brother that idea years ago because he every time he would plant a planter in he lives in East York, the squirrels would dig it up like within hours. So we started you know sort of coating the surface of the soil with thorny rose canes. Um, but of course you know it doesn't take long for the squirrels to figure out how to move those. So yeah, I mean it's it is just a, they can be really really a problem that. The, the diggers, right? Um, we also, just while I'm thinking about it, I don't think we told or mentioned this on the radio, Dean, but back a couple of weeks ago as well, Carol at Addisley wrote us an email with a photograph of a very cool, it's like a little rug um, uh, with spikes on it. Uh, the pa- the package is it's only five inches wide by eighteen inches long, two in a package from Dollarama, if you can believe, and she uses that to keep the digging critters out of the garden. So, but like she said as well, they do sell out quickly. So next spring, if you're having issues, check out your local dollar stores or or, or even garden centers may end up with something like this. But it's like little rugs, and you sink it down just under the surface of the soil, so you don't have to see it. But remember where you've put it so you don't hurt yourself right and you can trim them can you can you trim them to fit your pot uh well in this case yeah they're this looks like it's quite trimmable um okay yeah 
Yeah, it's probably Great. made out of plastic, just a stiff right. plastic. Okay, uh, we have a caller on the line. Uh, actually, let me give the numbers out first, just before we go to that. Again, the number, because we do have lines open and would love to hear from you. 416-360-0740. That is the Toronto number or anywhere else in the province. It's toll free. one 866 740 And right now we're going to go to Newmarket. We have uh, Sheila on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sheila. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I have a perennial hibiscus, which every year has multitude of buds on it. And many, many, many of, of them fall off by the end of the year. And so I have lots of lovely big flowers, but lots of buds. And I'm wondering if I should be taking some of those buds off. So when you say perennial hibiscus, this is a hibiscus that comes from the ground, from below the ground. Yes, yes it comes back every it's year. Not, yeah, it's not like Rose of Sharon, which is also a no, perennial no, no, hibiscus. No, it's a perennial hibiscus. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know what? It's quite likely. I have, it's been years and years since I grew this plant. So I would think yes it's very likely i'm just quickly sort of looking this up uh it's called disbudding we do it on mums so you know chrysanthemum plants so if if you leave all the buds on your chrysanthemum plants you'll have lots and lots of flowers but they'll be tiny so what we do particularly if you're a, a member of a society and you're going to try and win awards with your mums you will go and you will disbud so you will not leave all the buds there you leave one bud per stem that way you'll have huge flowers but only one per stem so fewer but bigger uh, so that's one of the, the, the things that people will do now it is possible that that's the right thing to do with perennial hibiscus as well I'm not positive <laughs> I can check into it though so if you keep listening uh, I will just here I am I mean Wikipedia is not going to tell me much at all but uh, yeah um, let's stay with stay uh, I'll keep that question outstanding and you keep listening I'll do my best to uh, see if I can come up with the best scenario uh, anybody else who's listening who might have a suggestion is welcome to call in we love everybody's tips and tricks yeah, okay, the hibiscus Charlie. are quite a lovely lovely big big uh, flower. My uh, my youngest uh, just bought herself a hibiscus, and it's sitting in the front there. Nice, uh, what they call a tropical. It's kind of a yellow and orange mix. Anyway, we I've never really had hibiscus. They're quite lovely. Oh, but wait, wait, don't get confused. There's a bunch of hibiscus. The tropical hibiscus are the ones with the trumpet-shaped flower. The yeah, I think that's what this is. Yeah. yeah, so that's a tropical plant, and your daughter okay. will bring it inside for the winter. Mm -hmm. The one that yes. Sheila's talking about is actually a herbaceous perennial. So this is a plant that goes out in the garden, it comes up very late in the spring. It's like the last thing to come out of the ground. But now, okay. at this time of year, it gets flowers on that are the size of your head. Like, they're so wow. big and so, like, they're traffic-stopping, right? The people go, whoa, what is that? And start, you know, slamming on their brakes as they're driving by because they're so big. They're whites, pinks, reds usually are the colors. And, uh, and they're, like I say, showy, late summer and fall, and then down they disappear for the winter and show up again next spring so there's so there's tropical hibiscus perennial herbaceous hibiscus and perennial woody hibiscus and the woody hibiscus is the rose of sharon shrub that's also blooming right now 
Gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's go to uh, St. Catharines now. Good old St. Kitts has given us a call, and we have Olga on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Olga. Hello. It's my first time, and, and um, oh. hey. <laughs> I well, love your show. Give you garden wings. Um, what my question is, for the last four years, I have beautiful, beautiful peony bushes, and they um, get moldy every year. Yep. Sorry to say, yep. <laughs> it's that human- It's nothing you can do about that. That is an environmental effect that happens as our days start getting shorter. So we've got more darkness and humidity levels are at record levels. And those are the perfect conditions for powdery mildew. And that's what that is. It's powdery mildew. Some summers, it's not so bad if it's a cooler summer or if it's a drier summer. But we we almost invariably will start seeing powdery mildew on plants like lilacs, serviceberry, peonies, flocks, roses. You know, there's quite a few of them that will start to show that, that dusty uh, surface. Uh, you can try and prevent powdery mildew by spraying with a fungicide before you see the mildew. So if you want to try next year, uh, beginning probably about mid-July, get a hold of a liquid fungicide, follow the instructions in terms of when to spray and how much to spray, what temperature to spray, what time of day to spray, and you can try and prevent these spores from um, propagating, basically. And I mean, they will be there, but they will not grow. Okay. Now, um, I cut them right down because I was afraid they might um, go on to something else, like the mold. No. And so no. I cut them. Is that okay to do that? Um, it, it is. It probably looks like a bit of a hole in the garden right now, um, but maybe that you prefer the hole rather than the dusty leaves. Um, I'm... I, you know, winter is coming, whether we like it or not. Those leaves are going to disappear once we start getting some frost. But, you know, still, there's a good two months that they could have been on the plant. They will photosynthesize as long as there's green in the leaves. And the photosynthesis feeds the plant to make it a bigger plant next year. So that would be my, my one reason why I wouldn't want to cut it down, because you are limiting the size, the ultimate size of the plant by removing the leaves early. Okay, good to know. I was just afraid that it might transfer, on, you know, the mold might transfer onto something else, so it kind of worried me. That's, that's yeah, the problem. Not, yeah, I wouldn't worry. Okay, well, thank you so much, and um, great, great, great uh, show. <laughs> thank you. Okay, bye. Yeah, thanks for the call there, Olga. Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, I have a, a, an email question that uh, I it's been running through my brain, too, so I want the answer to this as well. This is from Mary Ann. She says, hello, I am concerned about the quality slash health of water in my rain barrel that drains from uh, asphalt shingled roof that in her mind has seen better days, right? And, and she wants to know if it's safe to use on the vegetables. Now, I have sort of the same question. It is not... It's it's we have a rain barrel at the end of a shed, and so I've got that uh, that particular piece of uh, eaves trough running into my rain barrel, and I've have wondered the same thing. If that's okay, you know what? Okay, it's a good question. I can understand a little bit of concern, saying to yourself, "What could be up on my roof that's draining into my barrel that I'm using 
on my plants. So if it's asphalt sh- shingles, which are the you know the kind of um, rough shingles, <coughs> um, yes, some of that if it's old, the the little pebbly bits can come off the shingles and drain down off the roof into your rain barrel. But it's it the, that all sinks to the bottom, so you're not that's not in the water that you're pulling out into your uh, watering cans, etc. Now, of course, we always drain our rain barrels and give them a bit of a, a a scrub, or I do at the end of the season before I put my rain barrel to bed for the winter because we never keep them attached for the winter. Otherwise, we end up breaking down spouts and eaves troughs when the water freezes. So uh, what I would do is not be at all worried. I mean, we know that. Birds are probably pooping up there. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends what critters you've got. If you've got a whole family of raccoons living up on the roof, I would be hesitant because things like E. coli can come through animal manure, mammals. But bird um, uh, excrement will never hurt you or your plants. So don't – I wouldn't be it's – it's good fertilizer. We know that rain, as it drops from, from the sky, it starts out as just pure H2O when it leaves the clouds. But as it drops through the atmosphere, it does pick up um, things like sulfur, which are in the atmosphere – into the water, and when the water rain rainwater lands, it's slightly acidic. So it, we call it, that's where the acid rain thing comes from. It's not nearly as acidic as it used to be because there's a lot less sulfur in our atmosphere now than there was 30 years ago. How, and coal, et cetera, is not being used for um, electricity any longer. So our, our rainwater is actually pretty good stuff. If you can capture it any way you can capture it, it's going to be good for the plants, and I would not be concerned that it's going to hurt you. Excellent. Um, I, just as a quick footnote, I have a tiny little drip coming out of my spigot that was bugging me. But then when I, I was sitting out the back and now I see birds that go and they land on there <laughs> and they get a little drink there. And so I've actually <laughs> put like a little a dish underneath. Yeah, I put a little dish underneath and it just is a constant little drip. And so the birds know to go there for a little a little drink or a little bath. So it's serving two purposes now. Perfect. Yeah, before you do it, the butterflies Working are going to show okay. up. And, uh, and then. And then the wasps. Oh, lovely. Looking forward to that. <laughs> the wasps. Okay, here, let's go to uh, Francis in Toronto. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Francis. Uh, I have a question regarding a Maltese cross plant. Um, it's so beautiful, but I have never seen any flowers on it. It's supposed to flower. What can I do, yeah. please? Yeah, they don't call it Maltese cross for nothing. <laughs> the flowers look like a Maltese cross, right? That's where that comes from. Uh, first of all, is it growing? How much sun is it getting? Oh, quite a bit. It's a, it's a very bright room. It's a sun room. Oh, sorry, you've got it in the house. Yeah, it's in the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But oh, it's that big. might it's be. Growing. It's growing. spreading. I have to cut sometimes out of it. But I've never seen any flowers on it. What can I do? Well, I think of this as an outdoor plant, not an indoor plant. Uh, I think what you're going to find is, it's interesting actually, it's native to central and eastern Russia, Kazakhstan, Mongolia, and northwestern China. Um, Yeah, the flowers are bright, bright, orangey red. And yes, this is a plant that should, can you put it outside? I think, yeah, you can, yeah. But I've never put it because it's Every time I bring them in, there's lots of insects coming in, so I stop putting plants outside. Right, but it's never going to flower in your house, I don't think. Oh. 
It's okay. no, it's like I know you feel like it's a really bright window, but our windows have all these UV stabilizers and filters in them these days. So you're actually not getting nearly as much light on that plant as you think you are. That oh. is a perennial plant. If you put it in the ground in a full sun location, six hours plus of sun, uh, do not keep it in a pot, but actually plant it. It can grow, you know, a couple of feet tall, as much as three or four feet tall, uh, a yeah. foot and a half wide. And it should bloom. Um, you know, it's a it's a tough plant because it is from oh. uh, you know a zone similar to ours. So oh, just okay. fertile, well drained soil and sp- enough space to be able to grow and yeah, so uh, get take that it out the ground before it winter. Will flower? Pardon? If, if I take it outside, it will flower in, in a pot, like the way it is. Maybe, but it's not going to flower now because it blooms in the early summer. Okay. Okay. So, so if you leave it in a, okay. So maybe what you should do is keep it inside as you've had it, and then next spring, or even better yet, this fall, plant it outside. When it comes up next spring, it should bloom outside. Oh. Okay. 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 Uh, can I take a root out of it, and because I don't want to kill it, because it's a beautiful plant. You know, the leaves are so beautiful. I, mm. Can I take a cut out of it and uh, like have roots? And plant that one because I don't want this to die on me. All right. Well, sure. You could do that. You can always take cuttings. uh, And as long as they're tip cuttings, you know, four to six inch tips off each of the stems and then uh, stems into a moist media to get some roots to grow. Yeah, you could do that. And if you love the plants as a house plant, then you're right. Keep the mother plant inside. Get some roots on your cuttings and get them outside before winter. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks. I love Thanks. Your show. Thanks for the call, Francis. <laughs> I think, uh, Charlie, I think we have time for uh, one more call before we have to go to our next break. So let's go to Brantford now. We have Helen on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Helen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I have a question regarding something I've heard of called the Chelsea Flush um, or something like that. They cut all their plants down in July or August and let them flourish again. And everything is so tired in the garden. I wondered if I should try that. Huh. Uh, that's different. <laughs> yeah, so a friend of mine said uh, something about in England they have some festival or something like that, and they, yes. they cut everything down in July so that it flourishes up again, new growth. And I thought, everything in my garden is looking so worn out and tired. I wonder if I should uh, just cut it all down about three inches and give it a try. I wondered if you've had any experience with that idea. No, not as a way to freshen plants at this time of year. I I hear you that, you know, things do start, plants start to look a bit tired as the season goes on uh, and it can be frustrating. But England has a very different environment than we do for growing plants. They, you know, they're much more temperate. They don't have the extreme cold or extreme heat that we have generally. I mean, they've had some heat waves this year, but generally they are more moderate temperature. They temperatures. They have high humidity, obviously, and they um, have closer to to 
day length and night length that's more balanced than us. We're further north and we have more extreme temperatures. If you cut a bunch of plants, depending on what plants we're talking about, annual plants, you can we should always be deadheading them. Most of our perennial flowering plants, again, deadheading them will encourage more blooms. And in the case right. of annuals, more blooms this season. If yeah. you start cutting down, uh, say, some shrubbery right now because you're saying, oh, it just looks tired, you're going to create new growth on some of your woody plants if you were to cut them down. And believe it or not, you're going to regret that because when we get a frost, that new growth is going to be ready to be frosted. And uh -uh. we don't want to do that. We want to let plants naturally go to sleep for the winter rather than trying to make them grow a bunch right now. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Quick question. When you're deadheading, should you take the bud off that is going to become seed or just pull the flower out of the pod? Oh, you know what? I don't usually do a lot of pulling. I cut. And okay. I generally am always trying to remove the entire flower when it's finished. So not just the petals, but the, the, the ovary where those seeds are starting to form. We usually don't want that. We don't, right. We're not running a nursery. We don't need to be uh, creating seeds for plants that we'll never ultimately want to grow. We've got one, we're happy, or two, we're happy, we don't need 200. So deadheading right. annuals and perennials will uh, have a better looking plants, more flowers. Many many of the perennials will rebloom if you are able to go in and uh, do some deadheading. Uh, like for example, my I have blue salvia, perennial salvia, growing in my garden. It's called May Night is the cultivar. It's been beautiful. It looks it looks like lavender from a distance, but now it's mm -hmm. all finished. It's starting to set seeds, and my job is to go out today after the show and mm -hmm. cut all those flowering stems off. And I know more flowers will form in the next few weeks. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for calling. Yeah, okay. thanks for the call there, Helen. Okay, uh, we have got to take another break, uh, but there are there's room on the lines. We would love to get your questions, so do give us a call. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we are back here on the Garden Show. I am Dean Holland here with uh, Charlie Dobbin, and uh, Charlie, we have Yvonne on the line, and she is calling from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, Yvonne. Hi, hi. Good morning, Charlie. Um, I have a problem with um, uh, tiny little white flies on my on the back of the leaves of my hibiscus. What can I do? Oh, I wish I could tell you better news. Uh, the little tiny white flies are actually called white fly, and they are sucking the juices from yeah. the hibiscus. Yeah, it's, and it's like honey on the back of the, the leaves. Yeah, and is the plant inside the house or outside? It's inside, in full right. sunlight. Yeah. Problem with white fly is once you've got it, it's virtually impossible to eliminate. You can try a couple things. One is you cut down, you, you prune the plant back by as much as a half. And that will, because all the white fly eggs tend to be on the newest growth. So by taking away the tips of the plants, you'll take away a bunch of eggs and you destroy everything that you've cut off and tie it all up tightly into a 
green garbage bag and get it out of the house. Uh, Safer's soap, soap solution or uh, pyrethrin, like bug be gone solution, following the instructions will kill a bunch of the white fly. And getting a hold of the little sticky sticks, the little yellow sticky, right. almost like fly paper, that will also attract and kill a bunch. Will you ever get mm. rid of every single white fly? I'm not convinced because I've never. I it with diluted neem oil. Okay. Uh, it seemed to work for a while. Sure, it will. It'll kill when it contacts until the next set of eggs hatch. And they cut so off you, all the leaves. Well, you can cut off the tips of the branches. Okay. Not all. Never cut off all the leaves. You'll kill the plant. But cut off some of the leaves, uh-huh. but the newest leaves. And, and neem oil will work. Neem oil is an excellent insecticide, but you'll have to spray... Uh, depending on the temperature inside your house, you need to spray every seven to ten days very consistently for probably six months in an effort to actually kill all the white fly. How about soap solution? Would that help? Which? Soap detergent. Soap, yeah. Not detergent, but soap. Soap, yeah. So de- detergent will give them a bath. Neem oil is <laughs> actually better, I think, if you have enough to do this but it's just consistency whether you're using a soap solution neem oil or pyrethrin you have to consistently continue to spray every seven to ten days thoroughly coating the plant top of the leaves bottom of the leaves soil surface stems all of it needs to be coated every seven to ten days i even sprayed it with the spray in my Ooh, from, yeah, from the the tap, you know the spray that I have there. Yeah, I sprayed the whole plant with it thoroughly. Yep, yep. that's I'm good. Just you just got to keep doing it. Put a plastic bag over it. Hmm. Yeah, that I don't. Yeah, a pro, not in the sun. Make sure you move the plant away from the, s- the sunny window if you've got a bag over it. Okay. Uh, and don't leave the bag for more than twenty four hours. Okay. All right. Thank okay. you so much. Uh, thanks. Good luck. I'm sorry. White flies a hard one. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> let's uh, let's go to London. Uh, sure. We've got Sharon. Sharon on the line. Uh, how are you? Good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sharon. Oh, thank you. I can barely hear you. No, oh, I I'm here. Can you hear me? Uh, very, just barely, Charlie. But I'll I'll tell you my question. Um, okay. It's about the uh, watermelon and cantaloupe plants in our garden. Now, our um, melons are getting fairly large, but the plant is still growing and putting out more flowers. Should we be cutting those off? Are they taking away nutrition from the, the, the uh, fruit, or, or should we let not, them grow? Yeah, good question. They're not taking away nutrition, but they are competing and, well, using energy is the bottom line. So as now that we are into the first week of August, you're right. Is there any point in trying to start more watermelons or cantaloupes now or better to concentrate on the fruit you have on hand? I agree with you. I would remove and and don't allow any more flowers. Uh, Cut the vine back to the to the. Uh, last fruit you're going to keep and you know more green growth is going to grow you just have to stay on top of removing flowers but that way you're right as the plant is absorbing sun and moisture and you know happily doing its thing it will ripen the existing fruits without trying to also create more okay that that's good thank you very much yeah thanks for calling 
Okay. Uh, you know what we're going to do? We've, uh, I, we're going to go to our next break. I'm going to give that number out again because uh, we do have probably time for another couple of callers with short questions. Uh, 416-360-0740 or toll free anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Don't be shy. Give us a call. I would love to ring the bell for you if you're a first time caller. I got it all ready here and Charlie's at the ready as well. Okay. So we'll be right back with much more on the garden show daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias forsythia and foxgloves marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks fox hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams you've picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio the gentleman is right. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Absolutely. And I've got uh, Isabel on the line, who has been patiently waiting, and she's calling from Oshawa. Welcome to The Garden Show, Isabel. Thank you. What do you got for Charlie there? Oh, Charlie? Um, I heard you on the first of the show saying about planting garlic mm-hmm. around roses. Uh, I've seen a program on TV from England, from the Queen's Castle, that they put garlic powder in water and spray their roses and they don't have any bugs right i've heard that too yeah i've seen and i've actually even seen it for sale garlic i can't hear you oh uh i've seen it in um uh seen it for sale in a bottle where you spray it yourself oh really yeah but um, nevertheless, your good idea, totally good idea. Love the tips. Garlic is a wonderful protector of many plants when it comes to uh, keeping the aphids away. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. May I? Okay. Ask yeah. A question now. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have a hibis- or, um, Christmas cactus in my house, which is about fifteen to twenty years old, and it's about three feet across. Used to bloom all the time I've had it, all year round, and it hasn't bloomed for months. Oh. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, well, it, but it, go ahead. You know, so how long has it been in the pot? Fifteen to twenty years. Right, and uh, I'm amazed it bloomed all year round. That's rather unusual. Uh, but it, 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 if it's the leaves are firm and green and healthy, yeah. very hard to transplant, but it would probably love to be transplanted into, or mm-hmm. at least have a little bit of fresh soil. Can you reach in and add a little bit of soil to the surface of the, the pot? I usually do that about once or twice a year. Okay. Hmm. Neat that you've like had you it said, It's hard to transplant, and it's on a, a glass top wagon wheel table, and I don't want to go too big of a pot than what it is now sure it'd be too heavy well and do you fertilize with any consistency yes i do right so um my best experience getting Christmas cactus to bloom is is being a little bit tough on them. I do keep them outside all summer, and I leave them out till we've had some light frost because cool temperatures help form buds. So that I probably happens that. in your house anyway. Once the furnace is on, you have it cooler at night and warmer during the day, and that will usually create the flower bud formation. Well, if I put them outside, the squirrels and, and chipmunks dig them up. Sure. They dig yeah, no, my I understand. Flowers all the time. 
Yeah, and and watering, of course. Make sure you allow the plant to be very dry between watering. So that does stress it a little bit and create a certain amount of um, that stress will lead to flower buds. I see. Yeah, like the ground, the soil is like cement. Yes, <laughs> concrete yeah. as it should be. Yeah, good. <laughs> Okay, okay, thanks then. for that, thanks. Isabel. Sorry, yeah, got to run. I got a couple more cool. callers on the line now. Speaking of fertilizer, you said you were going to. You teased us at the beginning of the show yeah. about fertilizer. Well, I did because I find that sometimes people get excited and want to use fertilizer inappropriately. So I just want to be absolutely clear that now, as of this week, August the sixth is today, we must withhold fertilizer from many of our plants. Um, as uh, Isabel said, in terms of her indoor plants, yes, you can for sure today what fertilize all your indoor plants, but slow it down. We stop doing the monthly fertilizing as we go into winter. So today would be our mm -hmm. last, or even early September would be our last indoor plant fertilizing until March. Outside, of course, we'll continue to fertilize our, our vegetables, our flowers, our annual flowers, because we want to encourage them to look good and keep blooming and keep growing. But don't be fertilizing your perennials or your trees or your shrubs any longer after today. Today's your last chance. Um, again, we don't want to encourage a lot of new growth on our long-term plants that have to get through the winter. We don't want to get a lot of new growth happening because that will just get frosted off. Annual plants, we don't worry about because they're going to die anyway. But our perennial plants do need to slow down. Keep up your deadheading, keep up your good garden hygiene, and if you're going to fertilize, make today your last day and, uh, and let the plants naturally slow down and get ready for winter. Gotcha. Okay, great tip. Uh, we're going to go to Rosalie now, who's in Hamilton. Okay, welcome to the Garden Show, Rosalie. Good morning. How are you two today? Excellent. Well. Great. Ironically, I do have a question about the Christmas cactus. Um, and I heard you what you said is great. We hadn't put, my mom hasn't, we haven't put it outside yet. Is it too hot? Like today is very humid. Is there a time when you should put it out better to wait till the light frost? Uh, well, if you're going to put it out, you're going to have to put it out before a light frost. Uh, I would put it, you could put it out today, but go into the shade. Okay. And do not go straight into the sun because the leaves will probably get burned. Okay. And then, yeah, just in the shade for a week or so and then slowly maybe move it to a little bit of a brighter location uh, and, and leave it outside until, yeah, usually it's about October before I bring mine in. Okay. All right. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. Good. Yeah. Have a good day. Yeah. Thanks for the question there, Rosalie. Yeah, you too. Uh, I think we got one more we can squeeze in. We've got Judy on the line who's calling from Oakville. Welcome to the Garden Show, Judy. Good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show, Judy. Uh, oh, maybe we've lost. But you know what? Did you there just we see? Carlos just sent a quick note there. Did you see that? We we missed a break. I thought we did. We jumped. We kept going. <laughs> oh. Uh, back at the 9.20, I think. Uh, so I think what we should do is probably sign off now so that break can okay. fit in and um, go from there. Thank you. It has been a very interesting show. Lots of great calls. And you enjoy your little break that you're having in the Kawarthas, Dean. Okay, thank you appreciate all your help and i know you it was a bit of a scramble this morning so <laughs> that was yeah. wonderful uh carlos thanks for staying with us and reminding us and getting addresses we always appreciate your help thanks everybody see you again next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio 
the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.